pick up the right short-term rental, even just one of them in your business portfolio is monetarily life-changing from everything from a single mom to someone who makes high, high, high six figures and wants to start creating steps to exit. I've never seen anything that can return business-type revenue without the business-type expenses. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I am your host as always, Yona Weiss. Excited to be here this morning with Jonathan Pasilio. Welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the time. I'm, I'm doing fabulous. Thank you. Well, it's good to have you on. I love having real estate investors and someone like yourself who has grown a business, specifically in the short-term rental space. This is, uh, this is a topic we have discussed a few times on the podcast, but always good to see different perspectives. And the fact that we're seeing so many people from a you know, corporate world, you know, business, moving into real estate and specifically the short-term rental space really does say a lot about the space. So I'd love to learn about your journey, Jonathan, taking you from, you know, 20 years in financial, you know, services industry into getting really jumping full time into into the real estate. So how did that start? I mean, did did it just start with one rental? Did it did it scale or at what point did you decide, okay, I just got to switch gears? Yeah. So my story is not unique, right? I think you hear a lot of people say I, I got started with um one or or two of these and and it's it's no different there. I think that the difference is for me, I'm, I'm a little bit of an obsessive guy when I put goals in front of me or there's something that I want, right? So I had a pretty successful career with different financial institutions on Wall Street for almost 20 years. And my wife had a pretty successful career uh, heading into, I think it's like 18, let's say 18, 19, 20, 20, 18, 19. And we were doing really well, but you know, there was just something missing. And I think this is a, a typical story where people are like, look, I, I, I like the path I'm on, but I'm just feeling a little unfulfilled or I want to make a change. I have kids now. I want to, I want to make a shift. But so, so that's a, a pretty traditional story. And it started with us picking up, we had real estate in the past, long-term rentals. But one of the issues is as as I kept revisiting the financial scenarios, because really that's where it's about. Like, what is it going to take for you to leave? Right? You have a you have a plan, or you have a goal. You put a plan in place, and then you need the the, the data. Right? So, what? How much do you need? Right? We're both making healthy six figure salaries, and we were more than willing to compromise that lifestyle to a certain extent, but but maybe not as much as as others. Right? It, that's that's a personal question. But but where the journey starts is is as I kept going back to my long term rental real estate, which we had uh, several uh, properties at the time, the numbers. They, they typically just don't make sense for a much smaller portfolio than say short-term rentals. And we discovered that heading into, again, I think the, the 2019 year. And so when we started understanding a little bit better about the, the vacancy risk, which is really, that's the metric you got to look at. That's where the risk is, which essentially is, is the monetary value in short-term rentals, right? It's not that it's a different type of home. I mean, yes, you make it classy, you make it sophisticated, it's beautiful, it's luxury, all these different things, way different business model than a long-term rental. But the difference in value of what you can make from let's say $1,200 or $1,500 a month, when we started realizing that dependent upon the effort and the class and the sophistication and the niceties that you could do in these short-term rentals mixed with vacancy risk, right? Which is really what you do with long-term rentals is, hey, 12-month lease, I don't have to worry. I got my $1,500 a month. But when you can go from $1,500 to $7,000, 
right? It was same same house, right? Right. Naturally, I you know people were like, wow, and and so the numbers right back to the kind of the the, the reasoning behind that that model is if we can make forty five hundred work, fifty five hundred work, seven thousand, you can cut. I need you know maybe forty two units down to twelve or mm-hmm. something or whatever the numbers are, right? I don't, I don't want to bore your audience with, with, um, with all of the data with, with ours, but, but I can tell you, my wife and I are very good at this business. And if you're not good at this business, you're not going to go from 1500 to maybe a $6,800 a month. You're going to go from 1500 to 2600 and you're going to, and, and rightfully so, some people are going to say it's not worth it and it, it might not be. Um, so I'll, I'll reel that back a little bit, right? Yeah. So I think that makes a lot of sense. It started with a couple of transitional properties into let's see what the short-term game can play out for us and it only took us i think i'm, I'm going to be honest it, it only took seven high performing short-term rentals for me to leave my career in 24 months and, so and seven 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 was the yeah, number for you yeah now it was a mix of and, and i want to go in any direction that you want to go in but just to be clear for people it was a mix of of and i'm, I'm big on this I, I call it short-term rentals versus vacation rentals big big difference short-term rentals are, sh- are servicing short-term housing needs that have nothing to do with vacationers oh, uh, traditional yeah typically they're very underserved and so six of those units were in in a random there are random cities in south carolina near where i live it's an underserved market we can make them um, way less competition we make more money and then we picked up a big cabin in tennessee in in kind of the smoky mountains and and that does that does true vacation type revenue which is much higher but but we folded that into the mix so so literally in 24 months i was able to very easily leave my career and then the following 12 months, which has just happened to be that this past, I think, May, we exited my wife. So, so I'll stop there because the, the, the path to short-term rentals was- There's a lot to, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Very typically. Yeah. So lots to unpack. And I, I want to do that for you in our timeframe, but that was it. So it started traditionally, we just went full bore. How do we be the best at doing this? Because I see that mistake a lot where people want to do just a little bit more than being a typical landlord. And they're very confused as to why the numbers aren't there. Right. Um, to quit a high six-figure salary after four or five units. Well, and and you were doing this. I mean, the units that you did acquire, those seven units that you were able to to leave, you were doing that simultaneously while working a full-time job, correct? Yeah, and, and we had two kids. So, like, and, and even my kids now, they're five and two. So they're they're all little. It's 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 hard. So I, I want to see where you're going with that because it's it is real. The the struggle is real. The commitment's real. You're you're putting a lot on hold. Yeah, meaning it's not like okay, I'll just you know pick up a pick up a, a deal here, pick up a house here, whatever. There's a lot that goes into setting it up. There's a lot that goes into presumably operating it. It's not passive in any way. And I think there's a lot of people that think, oh, just you know set it up and it's a vacation rental or short term rental. There's a lot that goes into it. So, meaning it was a grueling, sounds like, couple of years that allowed you the freedom to to now have really focus on the the rentals. Which, you know, again, I'm assuming here. I'd love you to to break down your exact experience, but I'm assuming that there's a lot less time and energy spent in running the short term rental business as it was running, you know, working in your full time job. Yes. This is an interesting formula for some people. I, I think it, it like when, when some people might hear this and, and depending on their career, let's say they're an on-site nurse or a construction worker or whatever, right? You know, they may scratch their head a little bit and go, ah, I can't really relate. And I'll tell you, so in my case, I, I had a corporate job where I was working remotely and I can tell you how many conference calls I'm on speakerphone 
setting up tables in my units, right? And just doing what it takes. And I'm there eight hours a day and I'm working. Now I got the job done. I took breaks where I needed to. I, I you know, did the emails and I took conference calls and I led my teams as necessary. But yeah, my life was living at the rentals or home with the family. So that's that's the onset of things. And so again, I, I bring up the nurse or maybe the construction worker going, well, how can I do that? And there's always time, right? Whether it's at night, which that stinks, right? Because I'm basically admitting I was doing both. I had the luxury of being on a conference corporate job, getting paid and balance, doing that balancing act, right? Where I'm working, but I'm also working. I'm double timing, right? And, and that's a, so my advice for anybody who's like, I can't do that. I, I physically need to be somewhere. I need to be working with a client or whatever is um, the unfortunate answer is it's going to be just a little bit harder because you're going to have friend time, social time, family time. It, it will have to be sacrificed. But I can say this because it's so critically important and I'm very passionate about this. Is it you're right that 24 months of grueling onset and it's 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 I want to grow bigger we're growing bigger so I I'm never stopping but if I just wanted three hundred and sixty thousand dollars and I'm like that's it that's good I'm good with that we have set up as automated as you can get do I still get a couple of phone calls do I still have to deal with a couple of you know emergencies right hey a tree fell I you know I got to coordinate a tree cutting company or plumbing or something a- absolutely but I can tell you you know you hear about all those quotes, whether it's Warren Buffett or just follow anybody that, that you're is a successful entrepreneur or businessman or woman. And it's you, you got to make your money work for you, right? We've heard that many, many times. But when these things are set up and they're set up properly, and it does take a lot of effort, right? I think um, there's phases of maturity in your operations, your back office. But where I'm going with this is that I can't tell you how many times I'm in the middle of a dinner with friends or family now or picking up my little daughter and we're playing. And, and I see on my little watch, I, I see an Airbnb request come in. It's automatically accepted. It's booked. My communication goes out automatically. You know, The money's paid. The, commu- the, the check-in information, let's say it's even a same-day booking, right? $750 for two nights or something. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm hanging out with my family, doing whatever. A, a booking comes in. Um, everything co- goes out from a, from a messaging standpoint. The check-in information, they clearly see it because they don't reach back out. They check into the place. The weekend goes by. Let's say it's a Friday Friday afternoon. Money gets deposited Monday morning. All the all the information, like like the fi- even the follow-up message, which seems very genuine, is all automated. It's all automated. Um, That's awesome. It's all automated, right? And uh, yes, like, like I said, there's sometimes there's occasions, but I I can't count the number of times where it's so fluid. The guests. They get all the information they need. They check in. They stay. It's wonderful. Even the review is is automated. They check out. We get paid. Then they give us a five star review saying we were the most amazing hosts ever. And I don't even you know know their name. And you didn't do anything, right? right? <laughs> like and I, can and totally, I didn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that goes into setting that up. Obviously. Totally. But and I I'm not. I, it's never really easy. But you start to peel back the layers of work that allow you to honestly answer someone like yourself, Yona, and say, the passiveness is increasing. Don't get discouraged when your first weekend, your first... And look, the first weekend of the second house we ever had, I'm not lying, uh, a a four and a half foot snake was, was found hanging from the bathroom chandelier, right? So I'm thinking this business is awesome. And not only did I happen to have the coolest guests who happened to be from Florida, but they also, ironically, they were aligned with a wildlife like savior fund or something. So they, the, the, the 19-year-old girl that was part of this gymnastics team that was staying knew how to handle snakes because she worked at you know, some wildlife something or other in Florida. And it was, they were like cool with it. 
And and I, I'm just saying, like, you're going to get that crazy stuff. But two and a half years later, you know, for a $230,000 acquisition on a house or 210, you know, we might pull in 69, let's say, or something. That's just a simple example of a, of a reasonable property. And I don't know how many people who would, you know, after, after uh, expenses, let's, I don't know, let's say we clear 41 or something, 42, 43. Who doesn't want a bonus coming in where you probably have to message them, you know, maybe 62 messages in a 12-month period and maybe about eight painful maintenance calls, right? Like literally. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that's that's just, it's intense. The amount of, <laughs> amount of effort that goes in to setting them up. But I think it all comes back to all of us are in whatever business that we're in, because especially those of us who are you know, transitioning out or have transitioned out into full-time real estate because there's a there's a drive, there's a why, there's something that's pushing us that we want something more and our corporate jobs were just not doing it for us. And so it doesn't really matter the amount of effort that we're willing to put in to, you know, to get to that goal or that dream because we see the, you know, the end of the the end of the the tracks, you know, it's it's in the horizon, but it's there and we see it. 100%. You're building something. Yeah. Can you elaborate going back a little bit, um, talking about unpacking so much there? You mentioned there's a difference between what you call short-term rentals and vacation rentals. Can you can you elaborate on what you mean by that? Yes. So, and and this, I'm just going to preface that a little bit with um, you know, any there are a couple industry, I'll call them gurus or you know, kind of famous faces that that have created Facebook groups and consulting services and all that stuff. And um, I don't hear this almost at all. Not from anyone. I'm not saying I know them all, but but I'm just putting this out there. Not that I don't love all their content and I find follow them and I, maybe I sign up for their tools or their mastermind groups or things like that. But everybody's so focused on vacation rentals, right? And usually and typically, you know, as humans, it's related to vanity projects, right? But usually, right? Like everybody wants the beach house. Everyone wants the amazing cabin house with the the view. And absolutely, right. If that's going to make you, and we have, we've had a $300,000 a year off of one house before that has a great view in the mountain house. Right. And I hate, I hate that house. I hate that house so much, not because of any other reasons other than just maybe the, the types of guests or the problems we've had or whatever. Right. So I, when I've chased vanities, vanity projects, it's not burned me. It's worked out. I just find that um, it's, it's not the best experience sometimes. And, and I'm not saying, I'm not discouraging that. I'm not doing all that. My whole point of that is nobody seems to be talking about short-term rentals, which by and large, you can argue like, aren't, aren't they the same thing? And they are, they are in terms of what it, how you manage them and what you do and all those things. It's three nights, stays, seven nights, stays, a month stay. But, I, but I, the clientele base and the, and the marketplaces that you would find the right house that most people would drive right by, they'd be like, okay, that looks like a nice house. I, I guess I'd live in it if I could afford it or, or you know, maybe that was a starter home. But, but, the, but I think people need to shift their focus on short-term rentals in terms of, hey, I have, a, I have what's a marketplace that's growing outside of a B-plus metropolitan city, not your LAs or your San Fran's or maybe even your Atlantis, but maybe your Charlottes or your Indianapolis's or Columbus's, Ohio, whatever, and do the surrounding areas. And mm -hmm. essentially, are there nurses coming? Are there workers coming? Are there a lot of growth in house closings, right? Affordable housing. And I mean that in like a $300,000 home where it's, it's a growth area. People um, have closings that are delayed all the times, two weeks. 
are a lot of babies being born? You know, are, are, are millennials moving somewhere and having babies? And then you have the parents from the Northeast or the Southeast or wherever go visit them for three right. weeks or, or 10 days. Um, is there just, is it an underserved market? So short-term housing needs, and I can go on and on and yeah, on about sure. all the different reasons, but you and I, we've probably been in our lifetimes needing short-term stays somewhere. But when you go to find an apartment up until probably five years ago, like, you have a 12 month lease. Exactly. Right. It's not furnished. Like there's all these, re- like I can't, I can't bring my own furnishings. I don't want to sign up for utilities. I only right. need it for, so I'm just saying short-term housing needs. You don't see a lot of people talking about it because it's hard to find the the pigeon forges or the Nashville's or the, the, the um, whitefish Montana's or whatever that gives these, like, it's easy to understand you and I might want a vacation in the Catskills or Poconos or right. whatever, right? Um, that, that makes sense to a lot of people. But like, if someone, if I, if I flash a picture of a three bedroom, two bath in the middle of a town you never heard of, but it might be large, large-ish or large-ish outside of a bigger metropolitan, but you're like, why would anyone go there? And that is always their question. Why would anyone go there? And they're automatically, they're thinking by and large investors, is it to vacation? Mm-hmm. And I could tell you more people spend more money and more higher occupancy levels are from people just needing short-term stays for a variety of reasons right. than a vacation. And then the second thing, I just want to throw this out there, Yona, and, and I'll let you ask me questions, is <laughs> I, I can I, tell you the clientele expectations of a very nice high-end luxury, I'll say luxury because I think those are ours in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in its truest sense of a short-term rental, a place to sleep that's comfortable and nice and inviting and different than where they live at home, but they're not on vacation. They're there to spend some time with family or, or, or just pick a, pick a thing I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Their expectations of what they spent for what they got is so much lower than I spent $12,000 for the week at the beach house. And man, you if there is even a hint of dust, I'm calling you. If it's not 71 degrees, it's 72 degrees, I'm calling you. I'm upset. I'm telling you. And I've done both. And I've still invested vacation rentals. We're doing some amazing things right now, which I'd love to share at some point with you when we're, we're kind of getting done. We sure. have a ranch, a ranch in Texas. We have an 18-acre state in Banner Oak, North Carolina, but that we're working on. But it's just such an easier clientele base to service. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yes. Yeah, so, so how how does it differ in terms of the you know the advertising of these of these units? Meaning, are you using the same platforms like Airbnb or VBRO or whatever, or are there totally different ways that you're finding these uh, these short term tenants? So a lot of my uh, a lot of my acquisitions lately have been kind of your backyard that that adage the old adage like in your backyard within like a you know 30, 50 mile radius, but. And speaking of growing teams, right? So whether I hire a VA to do some kind of uh, field work or whatever, uh, I once I get through with some of these bigger developments, I want a, um, I forget what they call that, they, they, a bird dog or something, if you will. I guess that's what the wholesalers right. call it or something. Skip tracer uh, or something some, like that. Skip tracer or something like that, where I, I actually would like to have an, a smaller arm, because um, take a step back. Uh, we, we eventually want to syndicate, my partner and I, uh, my wife and I, um, and my business partner as well, um, who's another, his name is Mark. Um, we want to syndicate. I think vacation rentals are, are awesome. I'm not against them. We're all in on them. I'm just saying, I bet you could do better. The ROI on picking up a million dollars worth of four $250,000 homes in the right spots will get you way more of a return and it'll be much easier to manage than a million dollar vacation rental. I'll, I'll just say that. But uh, how I'm doing that, yes, I, I would like a, a bird dogger or a skip tracer or something to start strategically looking at data for certain markets um, and then start 
start entering those markets. And uh, that, that's why, again, just, just to take a step back real quick, that's why I'm saying a lot of the gurus, even, even people that are offering like data analytics services. So AirDNA is now the, the worst place to go for good data. It's, oh, really? It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, in my opinion, it's, it's excellent data. It's, it has its place, but there are two, two services that I use and I've leveraged. It's called Rabu Insights Data Rabu. I know the CEO of him well. And then there's this new tool that my business partner signed up for. He seems to like it. I haven't invested much time in it yet. It's called SDR Insights. And essentially those have... It's First of all, it's cheaper because AirDNA, you have to pay per county or this or zip code or whatever. And it gives you more... Just There's more variables to look at data to help you cross-reference comps that mm. pulls in what you could potentially make with uh, greater accuracy. But but again, all usually related to uh, vacation rental markets, not true short-term rentals. Rabu is actually the best one at pulling in all sorts of markets. They data scrape really well. Um, but I'll, I'll stop there because I, I think, again, I'm not anti-vacation rentals. I just think you can, do, you can have a business model for both. But again, are you, I mean, are you finding the tenants in the same way that you would find the vacation rental tenants? Or is it like totally... Oh, I'm sorry. Did I, I missed didn't that. Answer. Yes. <laughs> no, no. Short, short answer to that is yes, same platforms, everything. I think the hardest thing to incorporate for short-term rentals that you can do a better job of vacation rentals is something you may have heard about like called direct bookings and leveraging uh, the right marketing strategies for something like that. It's harder to do like the the Charlottes of the world to get direct bookings because people are like, if I'm going to go Charlotte, I, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go to Airbnb. To have my own website, which I do for direct bookings, it's just harder to get a word out there for someone who just needs a four night stay to visit a grandbaby. Like they're not thinking Poconos, they're not thinking Smokies, they're not thinking Miami, right? Where you could actually have a brand. It seems like it would it would be useful to have a platform similarly similar to Airbnb, specifically for that midterm or that short term type clientele. See, yeah, and I I I probably don't have a great I guess maybe take on that. I I just would say like what. I don't know if any. I don't know if it's worth it to have anything different than an Airbnb or a Verbo. Mm-hmm. Like they do their job pretty darn well. Right. Yeah. No, I hear that. I just. I guess I've never. I've never looked for a short-term rental per se. Meaning, I've used platforms for vacation rentals and specifically. I think it's why a lot of people do use that. But you're saying you're getting the same uh, type of clientele that you're looking for that are not looking to vacation per se in uh, in your rental. So it makes it does make a difference. Maybe Correct. Facebook and ads I, or targeted ads and things like that probably work. So, so there is there's some good theories on that. I have not had to explore that. You're absolutely right, Yona. Um, Facebook ads apparently I'm hearing work really well. I'm not I'm not a I'm not really um, an ex- subject matter expert on that, and I haven't needed to use those yet. But that is, from what I understand, a good good awesome. method. So, tell me about if you would uh, the short term dojo because you got that on your your name here on the screen. I'm just curious what that is. It's just a small kind of a, it's just a small brand around a community that uh, I'm trying to spend some time creating a Facebook group. I, I, uh, it's probably only about 50, 60 people, uh, but it's, it's related to martial arts. Martial arts is probably one of the greatest disciplines anyone could commit to, right? I'm not a martial artist myself, but I respect it greatly because we all have to be extremely disciplined to grow businesses, be entrepreneurs, action takers, all those things. And I just thought it was a cool little quick name I threw together a couple of years ago. I'm slowly kind of adding member by member. I don't want one of these big Facebook groups that's 20,000 members where you know you 90% of the members either don't participate or they're not engaged or they ask, you know, there's no silly questions, but they're generic things like, hey, a guest, you know, won't check out and he's past the checkout time. What should I do? 
I'm not really looking to address things like that. There's plenty of free sites for that. This is just happens to be a, a free site for the, at the moment where I just want to meet really dedicated short-term rental people. I host two meetings a month and we just spend about an hour kind of going round robin. I bring in speakers, yeah. you know, the, the, the typical kind of approach. So that's what that is. I also offer, that's kind of a brand where if people want to hire me to be a, a short-term rental consultant to work with them either one-on-one, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I do do that and kind of help them get started from the ground up. I spend about 30 days with someone as if you hire me directly. Um, and then I also do hourly calls. Um, if people want to walk through deals, if they think things, you know, they just have questions, I do that as well. So those are the two ways that people can kind of engage and hire me directly. Um, but that Facebook group is just kind of a, for anybody who's committed and really wants to grow and participate. Um, that's just a free Facebook awesome. group. It's good. You know, we all need uh, we all need resources, and especially in a in a community, people starting a new job, a new career. Really, we need to mm-hmm. have that community and have those people in the similar mindset and similar growth stage that we're in to be able to bounce these ideas off. So, appreciate that. Correct. I agree. So, I want to transition now because time does fly. I mean, I don't know how it happened over here. Yep. <laughs> what yep. we call the final four, Jonathan. First question to you is: What's the worst job that you ever had? Yeah, I can't. So. It's either a telemarketer or uh, working at Brugger's Bagels. I don't, I don't know if you ever heard of that place. So, so just think of any like chain, national bagel chain. I'll pick that one just because. So, and I got fired from that. I got fired from a lot of jobs. I think I was always destined to be an entrepreneur. But anyway, so Brugger Brugger's Bagels was just just pick a bagel place that you might have heard of. That's kind of yeah. a chain. And I I remember I, I had to wear a suit by the side of the road. It was like ninety four degrees, and you know the guys at the side of the road in a funny costume and wave trying to get mm-hmm. people in. And I was there. And then, so the only reason I was sent to do that is because I, I basically, like, I couldn't wash dishes properly. I couldn't cut bagels properly. Apparently my boss just didn't, I sucked. I really am not a great employee, but anyway, so he sent me out there. And then after that, I, I, I was like, I, this is horrible. So I quit. I was 16, you know, I had to go right. through it kind of thing, but that was the worst was job like, I ever had, but it was, it was uh, almost like he didn't want to fire you, but wanted to uh, have you quit on your own. <laughs> he gave you the worst job possible. <laughs> totally. Yona. Somebody had to do it. And he's figuring maybe this guy will leave after this. And I, and I did. <laughs> That's so cool. That's a funny story. Well, I think we all have those experiences when we're young and uh, learning experience at that. What's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? Yeah. So there's a couple, but and I hate using this example because everybody probably says this or, or probably 50% of people, but, I, but I, I have to go with it for now, just because you know this is about real estate and making money and entrepreneurship. If this was like a mindset podcast or, or something different, I'd, I'd go with something different. But The Cashflow Quadrant you know, by Robert Kiyosaki, I, again, I hate to be cliche, but if, if you don't read that book and whether you're you know, whether you're unemployed or you're a spinal surgeon making $1.6 million a year, maybe more, you can't read that book and not understand that there are four categories that you can fall in on how you earn a living and what that living that you've chosen to do in terms of what box you fall in dictates what you should do next based on any hopes or dreams or any sort of lifestyle you want to live in the future that you want to make a change in. And if you don't know what it takes after that, or at least what it's going to require of you and where you fall, you can't write it any simpler than that. Mm-hmm. So I hate using that example, but it's it's so strong and so simple to understand. 100%. It is cliche, but it is one of the best books out there in terms of changing mindset for people. And it's been mentioned so many times, both the Rich Dad Porter and the Cashflow Quadrant, that Guys, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't yet checked those books out, I don't know what's going on. 
but check it out. Okay. Maybe you just had never made it to the end of the podcast. Never listened to that, but the books, we're going to put them in the show notes for you guys to check that out. And third question, what's a skill or talent that you would like to learn? And this can be anything. Yeah. So I, I'll just throw two quick ones. One, I want to play the piano. I'm not a musician. I'm not even a huge music guy, but I think the piano is the most beautiful instrument ever created and has just, just a, it just provides such an amazing experience. Um, listening to good piano. I can listen to like a Spotify piano channel for 12 hours, but again, the time, I hope one day I can kind of commit to that and, and do it. But so, so that's a random one. I, I would love to do that. But, um, but from a business standpoint, I'm terrible at sales. Not because I don't think I'd be good or I'm engaging or I have charisma or all these things. I've just never spent time to learn sales. And I know that it takes a commitment and sales. I never want to be considered a salesman for obvious reasons. You know, it comes with a rough stigma, but I, but it's so critically important. And I, I would love, and I don't even know if this is possible to have it as much of an authentic and genuine salesmanship skill level versus a, I tricked you into giving me your money sales. And I don't know anything about sales, but I would imagine there's gotta be two tracks. One that probably makes you less money, but you're, you have a better brand at the end of the day. I want to do that. Yeah, no. And I would argue that uh, to the contrary, that having a good brand and selling in a way that you're not really selling, you are really just helping people and, and being a good educator in a lot of ways and looking out for someone's best interests can actually make you much more money than, than trying to be a selling being tricky. And we had on this podcast, Dale Dupree, who is the founder of the Sales Rebellion, and uh, highly recommend you check that guy out. Uh, recent podcast, probably in the last couple of months. You, so you can check out that episode, but check out the Sales Rebellion. That's his platform. And just changing the, the, the stigma of, of salespeople and doing it in a totally different way. And so I think that's something that anyone can learn from. But I totally agree with you. And I think there's many versions of what sales looks like, but every single person in this world, no matter what you do, is in sales one way or the other. So the question is just how are, you know, we're, you know, if we're a little kid and we're trying to, you know, convince our mother to give us an ice cream, like that's where, you right, know, right. you got to do it, but you can do it in the right way or in the, you know, in a different way that can make you stand out. So good, uh, great it's piano and, and sales, great, great choices there. Fourth and final question, Jonathan, what does success mean to you? Yeah. So I'm not going to lie. Like I think early on in my life, which many of us might fall in that boat uh, for many reasons that I won't go into now and kind of my upbringing, you know, money was always success to me. Like I had lots of money. It wasn't necessarily stuff. Like I didn't need Lamborghinis and Rolexes. It wasn't that, but just a lot of money. Like I, that just always, I, I would feel like a, a successful individual. Um, naturally, as I got an older, that's changed. I obviously still want to make money. I have a quote that I say that like I, I love money for one reason. And that one reason is because I hate money and I hate money because of numerous reasons, which I won't go down here, but things, you know, not having enough money causes problems and issues. And there's, I can go on and on, but, but so money's super important to want to want to grow and and earn and make more of, but the success it's so now it's more about financial freedom and really time management time. Obviously, you know, that's really the most valuable and precious resource we have. And I, I'm now trying to build an intentional life. And I'm so grateful to be alive in 2022, um, where, where you know, this, this thing right here, and then you and I, right, we could be anywhere and, and the internet and all that. Um, you, can, you, you really do have a much easier time to create an intentional life where, you, where and how you make a living so that you can, you can have your time back to spend time with family and just be someone who provides an experience for others to allow them to grow 
in whatever way they want to grow as well and be be a um, like a beacon of knowledge and hope and inspiration. And it's inspi- it is inspiring and it's awesome to see someone like you doing what you're doing and accomplishing what you've accomplished, you know, and it's it's an inspiration for a lot of other people, including myself, because you know, the short-term rental space has a lot of uh there's a lot of hype, but I don't know that there are so many people doing it right and doing it in the right way, uh, especially with the right attitude. So it's been a pleasure you know, getting to know kind of your approach and what you've put into your business and how you're going forward. I wish you much continued success along those lines. And uh, last but not least, how can our listeners find you or reach out to you? Yeah, the, the quickest way is just a, a self-branded website, jonathanpasilio.com. You can just go there and you, you can either find my free Facebook group or a couple of different links um, to maybe a YouTube channel, which again, need to put more time in. So just, you can find me there and then you can find any way, like if you truly want to kind of engage me, you can you can find a way off of that site as well. But if I could just throw one thing, you know, and I, I, I really do, this is, um, it's, I strongly encourage, and I follow all sorts of asset classes in the real estate space. I do. I strongly encourage. It's kind of like a one home project that I that I want to instill in people that to pick up the right short term rental, even just one of them in your business portfolio is monetarily life changing from everything from a single mom to someone who makes high, high, high six figures and wants to start creating steps to exit. I've never seen anything that can return business type revenue without the business type expenses Additionally, with all the things that someone like yourself can do with cost segs and, and tax strategists can implement and all that. If you want something that is much quicker to be life-changing, I just strong just check out short-term rentals. If you want to do it, commit to doing it right. And the money will be there so that it gives you options. And if you even if you don't want to do any more after one, that additive monetarily to your portfolio, I've never seen anything provide that much of a boost that yeah. quickly. Absolutely. And I've seen the same. So great final words to, to leave off of. And you know, that really should be right at the beginning. So <laughs> your editors can use that as the, as the soundbite to put right at the beginning of the show, because it's incredible piece of advice. So thank you for that. And thank you again for taking the time out today and joining us. Thanks, Yona. I appreciate your time and the, and the opportunity to speak. Yeah. And uh, to our listeners, thank you guys for listening once again, all the way to the end. Remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I wanna ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I wanna hear from you guys. So I wanna hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.